last week's um, and we're committed as a church to doing the things that God has asked us uh, to do to proclaim his name to proclaim his salvation to people today and to make disciples and um, want to focus in the coming weeks and months on this word discipleship and Edward and I and others will be uh, taking various themes around uh, discipleship but uh, as Edward did last week I just want to sort of do a kind of uh, setting the scene uh, for discipleship I want to show you this quote uh, from Mother Teresa she wrote this by blood and origin I am Albanian my citizenship is Indian I'm a Catholic nun by vocation as to my calling I belong to the whole world but as to my heart I belong entirely to Christ Christian discipleship is about allegiance to Jesus and he is the one we worship he is the one who has saved us he is the one who has set us free so I'm going to read that amazing commission that uh, Jesus gave to his disciples and those who would follow after him from Matthew 28 and verse 18 it'll appear on the screen then Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you always to the end of the age that climactic ending to Matthew's gospel the Christian gospel is good news God's good news for the whole world and proclaiming Jesus Christ to people today that great commission was his master plan and proclaiming Jesus Christ and making disciples go together that's why it's those first things in our vision as a church to proclaim Jesus Christ to people today and make disciples you can't have one without the other his disciples were to go and make disciples who would 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 go you got it and make disciples this was God's plan a to reach the world for Jesus go and make disciples and I will be with you what an encouraging bit I will be with you it's a co-mission in partnership with God and we who know Jesus Christ who have come into that experience of his amazing grace and love are carriers of the gospel wherever we go we carry the gospel into your workplace tomorrow you're a carrier of the gospel the hope for the world at school at college at home wherever we are 
We are carriers of the gospel, proclaimers of the gospel, and to take it to the very ends of the earth. Or if that sounds a bit much, to the end of your street. Which is the same thing. Making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to put into practice everything that Jesus has taught us. It's interesting to realize that Jesus expects us all to be involved in this. That discipleship is done by disciples. It's not done on a course particularly, although they're helpful, like the Alpha course or the After Alpha course. They're great starts, but discipleship is ongoing. And sometimes I question God's strategy. I mean, I'm a questioning kind of guy, you know. Couldn't you think of a better way of reaching the whole world than sending me? And you? I mean, just look around. We're the hope of the world. Yes! Couldn't you think of a better way? Why couldn't you just raise up those amazing evangelists? Can you think of a better way? Imagine if a gifted evangelist, I read this this week, if a gifted evangelist won a thousand people every day for Christ, every day of the year, how long would it take to win the world? If only we had gifted evangelists like that, it would take 10,000 years. Yet if one disciple wins another disciple every year, And that disciple wins another disciple every year. And that disciple wins another disciple every year. You get it? Do you know how long it would take to reach the world? 32 years. One generation. It can be done. That's why it was God's plan. Not just waiting for that one wonderful evangelist who would reach 10,000 every day. And we would go, wow, 10,000 years. Yet if one disciple reaches another disciple every year, 32 years. And here we are 2,000 years on from Jesus. We've still not quite got it yet. Because everyone has to be involved. Everyone has to be involved. It was uh, John Wesley who said, Give me a hundred men on fire for God and we'll reach this nation. A hundred men on fire for God. Notice that in the Great Commission that Jesus gives to his disciples and to us is not to make converts but to make disciples. Why Why disciples? A disciple is not someone who, if pushed, may describe themselves as a Christian. Or someone, if pushed, might say, yeah, I believe in God. There was a survey recently by the Humanist Society. They took a survey of people who said that they were Christians and then just asked them some questions. This was on the streets by the Humanist Society. They asked those who said that they were Christians 
Did they believe that Jesus was the Son of God? 50% of them said, no. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins on the cross? 50% said, no. That he rose from the dead? No. But you're a Christian? Oh, yeah. I'm British. I was christened. A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. A disciple is one who has actually made a commitment to follow Jesus, to walk Christ's way, to live Christ's life, and to share Christ's love and truth with others. They've believed the gospel, received the gospel, and are busy giving away the gospel. A disciple is a child of God adopted into God's family. A disciple is one who carries that hope of the transforming power of Jesus Christ. I truly believe that the church is meant to grow, not to decline and not to close. The church is to grow. And grow in quality and grow in quantity. And discipleship is crucial to this sustained vitality and growth. But often churches get stuck. And sometimes we as Christians get stuck. We become a Christian. There's that first flush of how wonderful it was. And then we kind of get stuck and don't move on. David Watson described in 1980, Christians in the West have largely neglected what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. The vast majority of Western Christians are church members, pew fillers, hymn singers, sermon tasters, Bible readers, even born-again believers or spirit-filled charismatics, but not true disciples of Jesus. If we were willing to learn the meaning of true discipleship and actually become disciples, the church in the West would be transformed and the resultant impact on society would be staggering. David Watson was an Anglican vicar who had seen just the decline and decline of the church, but who believed passionately that the local church was the hope for this nation. But it had to start with disciples reaching disciples. So briefly, I'm going to give you four headings, a sort of framework for discipleship. Firstly, discipleship is being a lifelong learner. Disciple literally means learner. So we've all got L plates on. You know, none of us have graduated. We're all going around still with L plates. We're still learning. Jesus said, go and make disciples and teach them everything that I have taught you. Eugene Peterson writes a wonderful book on discipleship, and the title is just so striking to me. It says, a long obedience in the same direction. Discipleship is about a long obedience in the same direction, not just for a short spurt of time, a long obedience. And over the coming weeks, and maybe months, we'll be doing just that. 
learning what it means together to be a disciple of Jesus Christ because we haven't learned everything yet. And be encouraged, as I'm encouraged, that discipleship is not like swatting for an exam. It's not just learning something off by heart. It's not just about information, but it's about transformation. That we might say with the Apostle Paul, who wrote at the end of his life, in prison, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. To know him more, to be like him more and more. We are always, always learning. We never stop. I was so encouraged um, in my previous church, which it seems such a long time ago now, of a wonderful couple called Ted and Miri. They were in their 70s then. And they never stopped learning about Jesus. They never stopped growing in Christ. He loved Jesus more in his 70s than he ever did when he first became a Christian. I remember when we taught a series on uh, spiritual disciplines and we talked about fasting. And they had never fasted as a couple in their lives. He'd been in ministry, never fasted, but they took it on board. And they did it in the most beautiful way. I'm sure I've told you this before. They would set the table out for lunch. Knives and forks, napkins, salt and pepper, everything. And they would sit down for lunch, but with no food. And they would pray for the time that they would normally have lunch. And it put me to shame because I pray and fast on the go. I'm not having lunch today. I'm fasting, but I'm doing everything else. I'm just doing it as I normally would, but I'm not eating. They taught me a lesson to take it seriously. And it was so sweet. I did turn up one day and they had it all set out for lunch. I said, what you got for lunch? Nothing. We're going to pray. Never stopped learning. Never stopped growing. And we must have that same attitude. that We never want to stop learning. Never want to stop growing. Never want to get so disappointed with God that we give it up. And I understand that sometimes we do get disappointed with God. But He is good. Always. Always faithful. Always true. The disappointment is in life. And the circumstances of life. And sometimes we need to battle through those things. We are on a journey with Jesus, walking with him, doing life with him. I loved what Edward said last week about not building a monument, but following the footprints. In the days of Jesus, the rabbis would teach their disciples, both in theory and in practice. They would live closely with their disciples. They would see each other up close, and that's a real challenge for me. There are people who see me up close, who know what I'm like. And the challenge is that I be Christ-like in that and not just in the public. Not just when I'm seen by others, but I'm Christ-like through and through and through. And that's my ambition. And that's the, the desire of my heart. And as we walk with people closely, they will see us. And we want them to see Jesus in us. Jesus gave us that model of walking with one another. 
The disciples of Jesus saw him, heard him, touched him. And we can do the same. I know that we don't have him physically with us, but we can hear from him every day. As we were talking about with Anna and Caris, if you read your Bible every day, God will speak to you every day. It's God's word. He will speak to you every day. If we're praying every day, we will be communicating with God every day. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We have one another. We can learn from Jesus every day. Even the circumstances of our lives can teach us about God and his plans for us. One of the interesting things I note about the disciples of Jesus, when in all of the things that they experienced with Jesus, the one thing they asked him to teach them specifically was to pray. Now, I don't know what you would have asked him specifically, but they must have seen something in the prayer life of Jesus. And they said, we want that. We want that. Teach us how to pray. And he taught them what we call the Lord's Prayer. And you know what we've turned it into? Something we learn off by rote, that we can just say so quickly and, and actually lose its meaning. Jesus never intended that. He said, I'm going to give you a pattern of prayer. This is a pattern of prayer. You can spend a whole time of prayer just, Our Father in heaven, your name be holy, your name be praised, and go through it. It was, it was that teaching prayer, not something we just run through and think we've prayed. We are to be lifelong learners. I wonder if someone asked you, and if you're in your small groups this week, it's one of the questions. What was the last lesson you learned from God? Was the last thing that he has taught you in this past week, maybe, or, or going back a bit further? As a leadership team, we've joined a learning community with five other churches so that we might learn from one another. The leadership teams of five churches, just sharing together and learning. Secondly, a disciple is a lifelong follower. At the heart of discipleship is not only a continuing opportunity to learn and grow, but it is a dedication to follow Jesus. Being a disciple is not something I fit into my life. Yeah, I'm a Christian and I fit that into my life. Being a disciple is who I am. The first thing the most important thing. My name's Philip, and I'm a follower of Jesus. You read any magazine, and when they do these things, uh, biographies, my name is so-and-so, and this is my star sign. It's the world in which we live. My name is Philip, I'm a follower of Jesus. Most important thing in my life. Matthew's Gospel, in which we get the, the, this... Uh, Great Commission was written, obviously, by Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. And he writes his gospel as a kind of manual for discipleship. He records Jesus saying time and time again, follow me. Jesus doesn't come and say, when you're good enough for me, come and join me. Jesus says, you, come follow me. And it happened to Matthew himself. When he gives his own testimony in chapter 9, verse 9, Jesus came up to him. He was in the tax collector's booth. 
And Jesus simply came up and said, Matthew, follow me. And Matthew says, I got up and followed Jesus. Isn't that brilliant? And if you read the next few verses, what was the first thing he did? He went and threw a party. He went and threw a party and invited Jesus and invited all his old tax collector mates to come and meet Jesus. Because he had found in Jesus something incredible. And he wanted all his friends to know. Now whether you call them Matthew parties or an Alpha course or just looking or whatever it is, or even just in your home when you invite some of your friends to come, that you might share something of Jesus. In our church we've worked at uh, having a culture of invitation and, and every week you'll hear people inviting to various things, whether it's a course here or a thing there. We want this culture of invitation and the purpose is that we grow in Christ. We grow in maturity. Jesus always gave invitations. I love this uh, translation from um, Matthew uh, 11 that Eugene Peterson in his message translates it. Jesus says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love that translation. This is Jesus' invitation to us. Come and walk with me. Do life with me. Learn how I did it. And I'll show you the best way. But the invitation of Jesus always comes with a warning too. Becoming a Christian doesn't guarantee you an easy life. In fact, I I would say that Jesus, when he says, if you would follow me, you have to pick up your cross, he is saying that actually it comes at a cost. If you want to follow Jesus, if you want to be more like him, if you want to walk in his footsteps, it will involve servanthood, faith, sacrifice, and sometimes even suffering. Again, David Watson, wonderful quote, talks about discipleship. He says this, This is not a day in which to play religious games. Time is running out fast. Christ looks for disciples who are unashamed of him, bold in their witness, obedient to his word, united in his love and filled with his spirit. There is no promise of an easy life. Joy and woe will be woven fine. Christ wants disciples who will not only have hope, but give hope. The disciple of Jesus cannot lose. When he gives all, he gains all. When he loses his life, he finds it eternally. True discipleship is whole life discipleship. Not just a snapshot when I'm at my best. Whole life discipleship. 
That old call to commitment has lost none of its sting. You know, um, I heard it years and years ago. If Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And it's true. He has to be Lord of all. I was reminded of the old hymn, O Jesus, I have promised. We're going to sing it at the end. This commitment, this, this saying, I will nail my colors to the mast. I'm a disciple of Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I have promised to serve you to the end. Oh, let me see your footmarks and in them plant my own. Discipleship means a complete and continuing and lifelong submission to the king and his kingdom. And if you think about it, we're staking everything on it. I'm staking everything on Jesus. Then he needs everything from me. We're not signing up for some narrow, shallow religious life. But life in all its fullness. Life in its adventure. Life in all its excitement. We're not signing up for endless meetings and committees and running church. We're signing up to follow Jesus and live for him. Connecting Jesus to every part of our lives. Because he is with us always. In the good days and the bad days. He is with us when I live for him. He is with me when I deny him by my actions. He is with me. In every season of the soul. And I know that we all go through different seasons. I don't know what season you are in right now. For some it will be a season of summer and there's super abundance and there's lots of fruit and lots of joy and things couldn't be better and it's brilliant. But for some it may be winter right now. And winter's a demanding season where the fruit is not always visible. Where we need to remind ourselves we can't live on our feelings, but we have to live by faith. But even in nature, things are not dead in winter. They're underground, renewing themselves, ready for spring. And whether there is sickness in your family or bereavement that you're going through, or just distance with God that you seem to feel, or there's pain or there's hurt, There is a season that will pass. And that is the season to dig in. And dig in for Jesus. And not say, oh, I can't do this anymore. Whatever the season you're in, invite Jesus into the midst of it. He is with you. He is at work. He is the one who brings new life, new hope. Winter always turns to spring. True discipleship is life enriching. It is an abundant life. There is no life better than following Jesus. If becoming a a Christian and following Jesus has become a duty or a chore or a burden to you, you have got it wrong. Somewhere along the line, it has gone wrong. Following Jesus is not to be like that. And maybe we've just taken our eyes off him, forgotten his grace, his great affection for you. The cross says it all. We sang it right at the beginning. 
He loves you so much that he gave his life for you. He made it possible that you might have a relationship with him. Being around Jesus, if you read any of the Gospels, may have been challenging, but it was never dull and never boring. Remember his first miracle? He helped out at a wedding reception. Turned water into wine. It's what he does. When John reflected on that later on and wrote his gospel, he saw it clearly as a sign. When it happened, they didn't see it as a sign. They just said, this Jesus is amazing, isn't he? That picture of water has turned into the best wine ever. He's... Do you know what? He always had invitations to parties. Jesus loved parties. No strange ascetic, you know, lost in the desert. He loved people and he loved parties. And he loved. Don't you read the Gospels and say, Jesus loved. He wasn't this serious religious guy who was just looking out for anyone who was doing anything wrong and pointing their finger and saying, get right or else. He loved. He had fun with his disciples. They walked with him. They enjoyed his company. He was brilliant to be around. He shared meals with his friends. He had close friends. He was a superb storyteller, wasn't he? You read some of the stories that Jesus told, and they are brilliant. The prodigal son. And he used humor. You know there is a fad for the stand-up comic now? You know, just to stand and speak. Jesus used humor. Slapstick humor at times, camels and eyes of needles. I mean, you should laugh at that. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. Or the picture of the man who's trying to get the splinter out of the other man's eye. And in his eye, there's this huge plank of wood. That's funny. Isn't it? Oh, we're so serious, you know. Oh, yeah, we know what it means, hypocrite, you know. It was funny. With a serious meaning. This man had a dirty, great big plank in his eye. Not your sense of humor, obviously. He took pleasure in creation. I I mean, I'm taking liberties here, but I, I can imagine Jesus going and seeing the beautiful flowers and the trees and the water. I did that. I made that. Uh, He didn't, did he? But I just like to think of him like that. Just taking pleasure in his creation. And he takes pleasure in you and me. He does. He loves us. An incredible passion. He sees us. He says, I did that. I made you. And I made you for me. I made you to know me. Made you to love me. Made you to spend eternity with me. But I won't force you. I won't make you. I'll invite you. Come follow me. Come do life with me and we'll do it forever. Jesus is brilliant. And we need to rediscover this discipleship. It's about Jesus. It's following Jesus. We're with him. And if he's with us, who can stand against us? To seek first the kingdom and his righteousness is to fall in love with God again. Fall in love with God again. 
not to lose touch with real life, but in it all, live it out for Jesus. And the best is yet to come. So here's a simple framework as we'll unpack it in the weeks and months to come. Being a lifelong learner, a lifelong follower. That our discipleship is the whole of life. And it's life as it was meant to be. Sounds good to me. If Jesus is who he says he is, let's go for him. If you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your heart, just to say yes to him and say, yeah, I I want to be a disciple, then why not this morning just do that? Some of you here have never been baptized as a believer. You've never actually taken that step and said, I'm going to nail this down and I'm going to make those promises. Maybe now is the time. And maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for some time and you know what Anna was talking about, New Year's resolutions. It's just time to recommit. I'm going to get to know Jesus more this year than I knew him last year. And whatever season, and I, I believe that, that God wants to just touch that in people's lives this morning. If you feel that you're in a season where there, it's tough going right now, God's assurance to you, the seasons change. He is faithful. Let's pray together. I'm going to ask the band to come. Lord, as we come to you, we want to respond. And I just... Offer that invitation that Jesus offers. If for the very first time you want to say yes to him and invite him into your life, you don't have to pass an exam. You just have to say yes to him and say, please, Jesus, come into my life. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you rose again. I want to follow you. Then just say that in the quietness of your heart. And begin that wonderful, exciting adventure to follow Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here. We just pray that you will minister. To each one of us in this room, where we are. In our walk with you. And we want to go deeper. We want to learn more. We want to follow you all the days of our life. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together.